Thursday, January 11, 2018. This is Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson. This is number three of five episodes that is that are featuring Student Veteran of the Year finalists. We released two interviews in one episode on Tuesday, same with yesterday, same with today. Uh, I have one more finalist to, to post tomorrow that... Uh, I decided to not squeeze into an episode as a third interview, but um, it's just long enough and in, 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 in worthy of its, of its own episode, I think. So that'll come out tomorrow, and then Saturday will be the Student Veteran of the Year um, winner, the, 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 the gentleman that got awarded Student Veteran of the Year. Um, so that is, uh, that is how the next couple of days are shaking out. Appreciate everybody for not only listening, but sharing, seeing these episodes get shared a lot through the veteran space, through the, uh, through the higher education space. Really appreciate that. Today's student veterans will be Jessica Kirksey, who is attending Our Lady of the Lake University in San Antonio. She's an Air Force veteran. Uh, and then also Luke Opid, who is attending Cornell University. He is a Navy veteran. Uh, Going to talk to these two uh, with, about the same things we have, the other finalists, uh, their time in the service, their thoughts on outreach on campus, cha- challenges and accomplishments they've had leading their chapters uh, and even founding it. Um, and so more great content on that. Enjoy. I served in Vietnam. I served in World War II. I served in Afghanistan. And VA serves us all. No matter when you served. No matter if you saw combat or not. There are benefits for veterans of every generation. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. So every interview, I started with the one thing that all veterans have in common, and that is the decision to join the United States military. Tell us about that decision for you. Okay, so when I was born, my mother abandoned me at birth. And so I was given to my grandparents who raised me, and it was a perfect home. Parents were present in PTSA, dad was a Vietnam vet, my mom was a nurse, a wonderful home. But around my teenage years, um, they got in a divorce and my grandmother at the time became drug addicted. So at that point, I bounced from home to home throughout my teenage years. Um, For a long time, I wore the label runaway as a negative thing, but I learned in a social work meeting that runaway is is a beautiful title because it means that you knew you deserved something better and you wouldn't settle for less. I would be willing to live on the street by myself as a child in theory, knowing that I was not going to live in a home that wasn't appreciating me to my value and my worth. So as I was bouncing from home to home, I ran into this guy who I started dating. And um, to live in his home, he was with his mother. I had to get a job, and I had to give her my entire paycheck. And he had me doing things I wasn't really comfortable doing, but survival skills kicked in. You do what you got to do. And so during this time when I met him, an Army recruiter had bumped into me, and she had heard about my story. And I achieved academically, and so she was like, we need you in the military. And she promised me a house and a car and things like that. And I was like, people like me don't get those things. You don't understand, like, this is my life. And so she's like, let me prove you wrong. Um, I ignored her. Then um, it was time for me to graduate high school. 
And I was one of the first to graduate high school in my family, so I was really excited, and nobody showed but the Army recruiter, Jacqueline. And I don't know what it was, but that meant the world to me. And it was a support system I didn't know that I needed. So, of course, I joined. Yeah. Um, it's another story why I went Air Force instead of Army. But um, Jacqueline and her relentless pursuit of me is why I joined the military. Very cool. That's a good story. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. I, I mean, it. A story with a happy ending, I should say. <laughs> it, it, um, tell, me, tell me about a close friend or a, or a great leader that you had uh, in the military. You can choose either or, but just tell me about that person. Oh, man. There's two people that come to mind, but... Um, Oh man, it's it's really a toss up. Okay, so heads or tails? Uh, heads. Jacqueline. Okay. So Jacqueline Holloway, um, she was my supervisor, and um, what I realized early on in the military was I was damn good at my job, and I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was my survivalist skills, but I was really good at caring and working hard. And all the people that were surrounded by me felt loved. And so, however, when you start excelling up the, the chain of command quickly, and it seems like a lot of the awards come your way, it comes with a disregard from a lot of people. I was not well liked even though everyone respected me. At the end of the day, when the job needed to get done, they wanted to be on my team. But then behind closed doors, people had chatter. Um, but regardless of this, Jacqueline, every single time, was like, Kirksey deserves it. She deserves it. And no matter what people had to say, she fought for me, and she kept putting me up for awards, and she kept reminding me of my strength and my beauty and my power, and putting me in positions of leadership and giving me opportunities to grow. You know, organisms change and grow under pressure, and she yeah. kept putting me under that pressure. And through that, I became an amazing soldier. Well, at one point, she put me up for student um, airman of the year. And my leadership and me weren't necessarily on the same page. And so um, when my packet went up, they literally left it sitting on a desk. And Jacqueline had a really uh, strenuous surgery that she had to go through. And she, lit she knew, she knew that they were going to sit on my packet. And so... Days after she got out of surgery, she had her husband wheelchair her into the leadership's office, picked up my packet, and went one by one and had them sign it wow. to make it push through, and then had a long talk with the chief on why I deserved that award. And I won. And it doesn't matter that I won. It doesn't matter the title. It doesn't matter getting a trophy. What matters is that Someone believed in you. And coming from a home where you're abandoned, and even though I was bouncing home to home and had all these wonderful families, you don't feel like you fit anywhere. And Jacqueline provided me a home and a place to fit in and stability and encouragement. And I'm truly the strong woman that I am. I'm the president of SVA. I started this chapter because of people like Jacqueline yeah. who said, you can truly do anything that you want because you're destined for greatness. So Jacqueline would be that's that a, person. That's amazing. I love Jacqueline. I yeah. just saw her last month. That's cool. <laughs> Tell me what your, so what prompted your transition out? So um, 
I was in Qatar and I was wounded while I was in Qatar. So I was medically evacuated out of my deployed place and um, I needed doctors in Texas. I was at Fairchild Air Force Base in Washington State and I needed doctors in Texas to help me rehabilitate. So um, that's what transitioned me out. And it was really hard because I loved the military. I loved what I did. I loved my airmen and I was at my peak. Yeah. I never would have imagined I would have been injured. Um, but the goals that I want to do now with my life were a direct reflection of me being medically retired. So everything that the devil means for evil, God means for good. Mm -hmm. Because I have birthed a, a legacy of empowerment and advocacy and leadership and self-development within myself, I could not have done without that transition from military. And I like to say it's a scholar, because I'm not just a civilian, I'm a scholar. Absolutely. So um, as the, uh, Lady of the Lake University, yes. that right here in San Antonio, yes. um, you helped found the chapter, you're the chapter leader now. Tell me, other than, other than standing, it, standing it up, tell me about an accomplishment that you've had um, while leading the chapter. I would say the biggest accomplishment is creating Veteran Awareness Week. So Veteran Awareness Week, um, a lot of the veterans in our very initial meeting um, came to me, well, the whole officer corps, and told us the stories about what goes wrong in the classroom on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I realized our, our main first objective is to inform the university about veteran presence. What does that look like? What does a student who has PTSD in a classroom look like, or a TBI in a classroom look like? What do accommodations look that, that need to be for students? The simple things, the important necessity of having the button you push to have the door open, making yeah. sure they work <laughs> yeah. so that our amputees and our people in wheelchairs can get in and out of the building, you know, making sure our service dogs have poles where they can use the bathroom. So that was what really birthed um, Veteran Awareness Week. And so basically throughout the five days, because we go to school Monday through Friday, one day is focused on informing students about veterans. The next day is focused on informing faculty and staff about veterans. The next day is focused on informing the community or bringing in resources in regards to veterans. And the fourth day is in regards to um, veteran to veteran, promoting community, making sure that our Vietnam vets are befriending our Afghan vets and our Iraq vets and our Desert Storm vets. We want people to be one family. And then our last day is a Veteran Day ceremony, which is actually held by our faculty, ran by Dr. Sanborn, who is our advisor. And um, they do a wonderful job of bringing in Purple Heart recipients or generals. And we have a big ceremony. The whole school is invited. The community is invited. And then after that, we watch a documentary. Um, this year, we did the Almost Sunrise documentary. Last year, we did Restrepo. So documentaries that really show what happens in war. And then we have those discussions because a lot of times when the students see things that are from a GoPro perspective, yeah. they're astounded. And then to really put like people who've done that in this room, yeah. like you are sitting next to exceptional war heroes. Absolutely. And I need you as a university to realize the beauty and the privilege of having these students at your school. And until you realize their value, we're not going to be able to move forward. But I am proud to say 
that Our Lady Lake University is doing an amazing job in really hearing our voices and moving forward with making change. Yeah. We've come a long way in a very short amount of time. That's awesome. Uh, just so you know, uh, at any moment now, Jared Lyon may come through that door. Um, so uh, don't don't be alarmed if, uh, if you burst <laughs> in here, because um, he's he's the next interview that I have today. Um, tell me, uh, so tell me tell me about you, maybe the best practice that you found for outreach on campus as it comes to engaging with veterans on campus and getting them to participate. Um. I am a psychology student, so I am really in tune with personalities, behaviors, attitude, personal development. So um, I'm a very loving person and I care about the person. I care about the person first before I worry about the mission. If you're not fed, if you're not in a good mind space, if you just had an episode, it's really hard for me to then delegate or to get you to do something or to want you to cooperate in something. So I would say the key, at least to my leadership and what I feel like the best practice is, is empowerment is really getting to know your veterans and figuring out what their strengths and their weaknesses are and utilizing those strengths in different tasks, encouraging them. When you see a scholarship that falls out, an Army scholarship for $10,000 come out. Find someone in the Army and actually walk up to them and say, I want you to apply for this because you deserve it. Yeah. That empowers them in a different way than just sending out a mass email and just hoping someone applies or finding that student who's a business student and then tasking them, well, asking them if they'd be willing to write the SBA business plan because that's their field and then watching them flourish. So I would say empowerment and really getting to know what the veterans are dealing with on a daily basis to make sure that we're aligning them with other veterans who have also gone through the same things. So one, they know they're not alone and two, they know there's a way out. Yeah. That there's always a support system in us. So we're a family at our university. Perfect. What, uh, tell me about a skill set and experience you had while you're in the military that's contributing to your success today. Um, that's a good question, a skill set. Um, I would probably say uh, working with diverse populations. I would say going into the military, um, I was very ignorant when it came to cultural competency. All I knew was what it was like being black, a black kid raising a black environment, black yeah. homes. Um, and so being in the military was the first time I had to work with Asians or um, First Nation or Middle Easterns and realizing that maybe this girl is quiet, not because she's withdrawn, but maybe that's a cultural thing or, or I really need to be sensitive the way I use my hands or my hand gestures or certain phrases that I say. And by being sensitive and asking questions and not being afraid to address my, my discrepancies or my ignorances with other people and wanting to learn their cultures um, has really helped me as a leader and has really helped diversify the way that I view leadership and the tactics that I use in regards to inclusion, diversity, and retention. And um, it has been a very positive experience and, I, and it makes me proud to now say that um, we are very diversified in yeah. the veterans that we have, in the communities that we birth. Very cool. Uh, last question, tell me about a veteran or a veteran organization uh, aside from SVA that uh, you're familiar with that has you excited about what they're doing right now? Wounded Warrior Project, hands down. Um, when I was medically evacuated back from Qatar, um, 
I was in Germany and we were waiting because this was a point where people were having surgeries and people, they were banding people together to put them on helos so we could go to alternative locations. And they had blankets, they had shirts, they were hugging people, they were feeding TBI patients, they were helping amputees walk down the hallways that had never walked before. Through my journey coming back home, they stayed with me the entire time. Through homelessness, they were there. Through divorce, they were there. I saw them help build homes, handicapable facilities, give people wheelchairs for free, the gift of mobility. Yeah. And they asked for nothing in return. Yeah. Nothing, time after time. And so I would say the Wounded Warrior Project, and even, even within the project, it's not always just helping the, the disabled. It, I mean, Sometimes they just throw parties. They throw socials. They yeah. just try to get us out the house. I, I am astounded at the way that organization is created and ran. It's so effective. And I am proud to be an alumni of the Wounded Warrior Project. And I just wish that it had more support. Yeah, wonderful. Jessica, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, Thank no you for problem. speaking to us in the audience. Thank you for your service to our country and your continued service to veterans at Our Lady of the Lake University. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, it was a pleasure meeting you. Definitely, pleasure meeting you too. So we, we start every interview with the one thing that almost all veterans have in common, and that is the decision to join the United States military, right? No matter what branch, no matter what, we all had to make that decision, I'm gonna join. Mm -hmm. Bring us back to that decision for you. So uh, I enlisted October 28th, 2008. Um, that's when I took the oath of enlistment, but I was on hold for another seven months. The reason why I joined was because I was living in a uh, black Jeep Cherokee at the time, and uh, I don't know what happened. I'm pretty sure I locked the door, but uh, somebody stole it. And so uh, after that, <laughs> I didn't really have a place to go. Yeah, and, I don't uh, mean to laugh, but uh, to literally have your house stolen from you, uh, is yeah. uh, that's quite the experience. Yeah, it was definitely um, an interesting uh, experience. And you were like, hey, I might as well just go join the military. Yeah, that's I need, right. I, I need somewhere to go. Yeah, I mean, um, I have a, you know, a great family history of, uh, you know, people who have served. Uh, my grandpa was a World War II veteran, um, fought in uh, Battle of the Bulge. Uh, and then my uh, uncle and some of my cousins, uh, my cous one of my cousins was in the Honor Guard. Um, for the National Guard, so uh, pretty incredible. And so I, I guess I've always been attached to it in some way, um, relationship-wise, and uh, it was always something that I had, had considered. Um, but yeah, that was definitely a, a great motivator, not having a place to live. <laughs> yeah, what, um, what branch you join? Navy. Navy, okay. That's right. Um, what uh, what'd you do in the Navy? What I was an aviation electrician. Okay. Um, we worked on uh, H-60s, Seahawks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you sure. know, Navy version of the Black Hawk, pretty right. much. Um, tell, was, me, um, tell me about a, a close friend or a great leader that you had while you were in, either or, but tell, pick, uh, think of one and tell me about that person. Uh, well, I know a person who kind of fills both of those okay. positions. I, I'd say uh, my, my uh, best friend, Sheldon Fry, um, he was uh, E4 when I checked into uh, Atsugi 
uh, Japan, HSM, uh, HSL 51 at the time. And he was basically the uh, E4 who turned into a mentor. Um, we had similar positions. They were a little bit different. Uh, he was a uh, electronics technician and I was an electrician. It, it's more or less the same thing. We uh, uh, work really closely together and so um, he really kind of gave me the um, map out of how to succeed and do well in the military and uh, I really appreciate that and along the way we uh, you know formed a really great friendship. So, yeah very cool. Yeah. So the name of the program is called Born the Battle and we know that not every veteran sees literal combat, but most service members experience some sort of adversity, challenge, difficulty during their time in. Um, can you identify a moment like that and, and, and how you dealt with it? Well, I'm not a combat veteran myself, right. uh, but I think um, any person who's in the military who experiences loss, I think that's the most uh, you know, profound and, and devastating experience to anyone. And, Unfortunately, uh, during my career, I experienced loss. Um, my first couple days um, out to sea, my first deployment, um, it was supposed to be a six-day deployment to Korea, and the uh, big earthquake in Japan hit, and that six-day deployment turned into a three, four-month deployment. Yeah. And uh, I distinctly remember just so many experiences that even you know really salty guys had had never encountered before and doing that for the first you know few days i was out to sea ever um, was definitely difficult but i think it made me grow in a lot of ways and so um, while it was a tragic experience i felt like i learned a lot from it yeah um so what prompted your transition out uh, I think it was, so back to my buddy Sheldon, he also got me on the college path. So um, he was going to uh, Embry-Riddle at the time, and he was taking some online classes and while he was deploying, and I observed him doing this and kind of like progressing through and making plans and setting goals and things like that. And that's something that Eventually, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of want to do the same thing. I think I want to be a part of this. I wasn't sure what I wanted to major in or anything like that. Um, but I think that was um, kind of like the first experience I had with, with you know, education. Yeah. So. Um, and so you're at Cornell mm -hmm. University now. Yeah. Um, what, what you're... Close to graduation, I'm sure? I graduate uh, next December, or this December now. Okay, yeah. so December 2018. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, how long have you been, uh, so you said you, you founded the SVA chapter at Cornell. Yes, that's right. Yeah, how long ago was that? That was in May of 2017, yeah. That's very recent then. So um, we started to get into contact with the SVA via the uh, Ivy League Veterans Council, and. Um, some stakeholders um, at Cornell University as well. And um, we had the uh, privilege of having uh, James Schmeling attend one of the uh, Ivy League uh, Veterans Councils at uh, Cornell. And um, after that, we were just really all about it. He had so much data to provide and uh, um, you know, access to all these different opportunities that we weren't really exposed to at the time. And so, um, I decided to find the chapter really because I thought it would benefit the current organization that we had in place, which is the 
Cornell Undergraduate Veterans Association. Um, and at this point, I would say we're kind of matriculating into the SVA. Um, we're still trying to identify the components that we find you know, extremely valuable and how to exploit those points. Um, but I think it's been uh, an incredible experience. We've got a couple other um, Ivy League schools here, um, Brown, Dartmouth, um, actual students, uh, student veterans, and there's so few of us. So, yeah. um, But I think a lot of us are really getting on board with this uh, incredible wave of you know, empowerment that's kind of uh, really spearheaded by the SVA. Absolutely. So what, um, obviously you stood up, you had a successful, uh, I'm assuming a successful starting of the chapter. Sure, yeah. Um, but what, what's been a challenge in that process? That um, I think it's kind of, um, you know, the SVA is so huge now. And so I think there is a degree of differentiation between every academic institution. And so um, trying to identify Cornell's place in all of this has, you know, it, it's not necessarily difficult. Um, it's just, you know, time consuming. These things are going to take time. We need more interaction with the SVA. Uh, coming to events like, you know, NatCon. I went to the uh, Leadership Institute um, uh, in Dallas a few months ago with the SVA. Um, it, and, and that was really, I would think, um, maybe excluding Columbia, the first, like, Ivy League uh, experience that um, any Ivy Leaguers really had with the SVA. And so I went back and was like, hey, guys, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we could be doing right now with the SVA. I think we should, you know, become more, you know, actively engaged with the organization and see how we fit into this. So yeah. I think that's where we're at right now. Cool. Um so how have you approached outreach and engagement with the veterans that are on your campus? So with the outreach thing, it's very interesting because uh, Cornell, you know, we don't have a lot of veterans. There's 14,000 roughly undergraduate students at Cornell, uh, 23 of which are veterans. So we have a very, very small student veteran population. And that's a problem that um, I believe we've addressed. Um, we had a meeting with the provost, who, uh, Mike Kutlikoff, he's an incredible guy. Um, he spoke yesterday um, at uh, one of the uh, breakout sessions, or general sessions, and uh, that was, uh, we, we went and we met with him and we more or less communicated, hey, you know, um, there's so few of us, I think we need to, you know, I, I, I recommend expanding the student veteran population. And mind you, this is before like we had tools like Envest and things like right. that that provided all this data that we could have used and brought to him. So we kind of collected our own for a while. We were just kind of searching the VA website and things like that as to how can we convince the university administration that veterans are an asset to this university. Um, and I mean, uh, we did a really great job. That was really spearheaded by uh, the former CUVA administration, uh, Seamus Murphy and David Outlaw, um, who I've succeeded now. And they were really incredible and they kind of started the general veterans organization at Cornell, so yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. um, tell me, um, What's a what's a, an experience or a skill set that you gained while you're in the military that's contributing to your success today? I think um, one of the um, 
you know, things that I've benefited from the most is learning process management at a kind of organizational level. Mm -hmm. um, I think when it, you know, maybe eventually I'll be a leader uh, in some capacity at a firm or, you know, I mean, I kind of already am, right? But um, maybe someplace even bigger, who knows? And it's really good to have the exposure to, you know, the ground level employees. Um, and I was a part of that for seven years, right? And being the recipient of um, orders that were, you know, I had to carry out regardless, but some of them were good orders and some of them weren't so good, right? But, um, and just kind of learning how to communicate um, that effectively to leadership and trying to, you know, navigate um, what is unfortunately sometimes labeled as the bureaucratic red tape, right? Um, and so I think that, um, and, and that's very hard. Sometimes it's hard to first have the courage to take issues up to your chain of command. Um, but I think what I try to focus on um, in my organizations is creating an environment which fosters that type of communication. And so really having a um, good understanding of what the people are experiencing because you've experienced it yourself, I think that's an invaluable um, lesson learned. Sure. Uh, through the military. Absolutely. Um, last question. Uh, tell me about a veteran or a veteran organization that you're familiar with, aside from SVA, um, that has you excited about what they're doing right now. So um, I'm also president of the nonprofit organization Ivy League Veterans Council. Um, and so I always love uh, talking about this. We uh, address the issue of having so few veterans at top academic institutions across the country. Um, we haven't uh, planned our next conference meeting, but it's going to be sometime in late March or early April at Columbia University. Um, we're really excited for all that we have in store uh, for that. And more or less what the conference does is it brings all of these veterans who um, are pretty much in institutions. There are some exceptions, of course, but most of the institutions have such a small veteran population. And so we kind of come together and collaborate on how we can operationalize student veteran success despite you know, a lack of resources. Um, and so I'm really happy I um, took over for, uh, from Peter Kiernan, who was the founder. Yeah. Um, he's doing incredible things, he always is. And uh, it's something that I've kind of, uh, you know, Another, you know, being involved in it and trying to immerse myself with, a, you know, the student veteran population, I thought it was a great opportunity. And so I'm so happy that he asked me to uh, carry the torch for him. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, Luke, I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for your service to our country. And thank you for your continued work with, you, uh, with veterans over there at Cornell. Thank you very much. Pleasure meeting you. Me too. VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. If you ever want to follow along with the content that we're creating regarding education, if you go to blogs.va.gov, you go down into the categories, 
We have one category called education. That's where we loop in uh, any blog post that we create that has to do with education, whether it has to do with the GI Bill or other education benefits. A great way to keep up on uh, on what VA is doing with education and, and any news that comes in with that. You can also follow VA Vet Benefits on Twitter. That is the VBA's Twitter account. Um, they also uh, cover and, and, and stay up to date with, uh, with that stuff as well. Today's Medal of Honor citation reading comes from the China Relief Expedition, also known as Boxer Rebellion, and this is for John Mapes Adams, Sergeant in the United States Marine Corps. Citation reads, In the presence of the enemy during the battle near Tientsin, China, 13 July 1900, Adams distinguished himself by meritorious conduct. We honor his service. Thank you, everybody, for taking the time to listen. Episode 76 in the books. Tomorrow, Randy Dexter is the final finalist that we'll be uh, putting here on the podcast. And then Saturday morning, uh, for those of you that do this, have a Saturday morning commute, maybe you like to go on a long walk, jog, whatever it may be, uh, we have our, our interview with Chris Rolfe, who is the Student Veteran of the Year. Um, so a couple more episodes have come out this this student veteran themed week. Thank you so much for listening, and please continue to share the episodes. We appreciate uh, appreciate the support, and it's important that these student veterans get their stories heard, uh, and then of course learning from from their experience for for other chapters to hear. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.